0: The Articulate Coven is the original unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's Immortal Universe from AMC and AMC Plus. So folks, welcome. We're gonna jump into it because we're a couple minutes behind now. This is the debut of Dorian's Discussion Club series. We're behind because I showed up early, I'm a theater kid. Ashley and I come from the theater world and you show up 15, 20 minutes early for everything. So we showed up early and started a separate stream. This is because we're the olds trying very uh, awesome new technology. So forgive us. We're welcome. Us into us. your into your uh, locations. So we're here to talk about. That's cool my Gen X tonight. heart. Hey, right. Uh, we're here to talk about um, a lot of cool things. Fan fiction, adaptation, interview with the vampire and rice. Uh, this AMC adaptation specifically. It has a lot of themes that garner some great conversation. Ashley and I have been talking about it for like eight weeks five in a row, years. nine weeks in a well, row. Well, and probably well, more years. like
1: 20 years, 20 years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I remember Getting very close specifically to. Uh, in my in my like studio apartment in the early Schmirna Schmirnas of the 2000s and uh, Ashley and I singing, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar at the top of our lungs in the middle of the night and discussing who would be the best possible list and and the true adaptation as uh, the Interview with the Vampire from 94 had not done it justice. So we're so not. thankful that all of you have joined us here tonight. Um, Let me get to our panel before we can delve into our first uh, theme for tonight, fan fiction. And we're going to talk about adaptations. Before that, I want to introduce our panelists because we've got some really cool folks. First, my co host uh, for Articulate Coven, Ashley Wright-Eiler. Look at my Ashley, sexy
1: outfit, damn! Hi guys, I'm Ashley Wright-Eiler. i am a been a long, long fan of Anne Rice. Um, I'm a super nerd, I love Star Wars, I love Lord of the Rings, I love all the good stuff that we are all getting to enjoy adaptations of. And um, I'm so psyched to be here to talk to you guys tonight. Thanks for having us. Um, what a fun world we get to hang out in.
0: And Ashley, my intro question for everybody tonight, overall, knowing it's only part one of the first book, how are you currently rating? How successful is is this adaptation of AMC's Interview with the Vampire?
1: if you've listened to our podcast at all uh we uh, our, some of our fans have started a drinking game about how many times joel and i completely agree on everything and say 100 um but i think that it is a 10 out of 10 100 love it um i really love some of the changes they've made it's made the story richer it's made the story more interesting more exciting it gives more visibility to different types of characters people and i'm here for it
0: Hi, I'm Marsh. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about fan fiction and adaptation tonight. Ashley, our first uh, co-host for tonight. This is me. I'm going to intro myself quickly. I'm Joel. I'm the other co-host for Articulate Kevin. I'm a podcaster and podcast consultant and uh, former radio guy. I've been in love with Anne Rice and, and Lestat specifically since I was 12, the summer before I turned 13. I found the prologue to Uh, The Body Thief, Tale of the Body Thief. And I was holding it up for my aunt when she walked in the door at the end of the workday. Who is this and where can I find more of him, please? This doesn't seem like the first (laughs) one. Um, So I'm a big fan of these books. I'm a big fan of this series. I love the adaptation. And I do think it's been a very successful adaptation. It isn't a translation, but that's not what we wanted. That's not what I wanted anyway. We've got the books and they're never going to go anywhere. God bless Anne Rice. So what we wanted was a new voice and a new take and a new angle on these fantastic stories and a way to bring them to a audience that hasn't thought of trying them before. And I think this show has very much done that. So uh, Erica is our next panelist. Um, Erica, uh, introduce yourself Tell everybody who you are and a little bit about what you do.
2: Hello, um, I am Erica Robert Palo. I am a writer, I'm a filmmaker, I am an independent scholar. I also work in libraries, so I have many hats. Uh, I think that's why I identify a lot with Jacob Anderson, uh, Raleigh Ritchie, because he doesn't have to choose. I appreciate him. Though I am a Lestat apologist, I'm sorry. Um, not sorry. Lord. I learned about uh, Anne Rice as a Catholic schoolgirl, as one does, uh, who was really a punk rocker. I have the tattoos to prove it, but I was trapped in the body of that Catholic schoolgirl. all girls. Catholic High School, thank you very much. And I just found the books, never looked back. um, And I love, 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 love the show. I think as from a filmmaking perspective and a writing perspective, to, to Joel's point, I don't want a translation, I want an adaptation. And for me, the visual medium is so powerful I love reading the books and then I love seeing the adaptations. Mm -hmm. And there are things you can do with a visual medium that you cannot do with books and vice versa. That doesn't mean one's better than the other. It just means that I want both. I want all the things. So for me, it's perfect. And, uh, you know, there are a few things here and there, but for the most part, I'm. 100% 100% on board. I have pages and pages and pages of notes because I'm just nerding out every single time I watch the episode and most of my waking hours.
3: And uh,
2: yeah, that's that. That's me. Hi.
0: That's awesome. Thank you, Erica, so much for joining us. Uh, Ayana, our next guest and, and co-panelist, Ayana Tucker, tell everybody who you are
3: hi everyone um for those that don't know me i work for dorian i am the head of creator partnerships and i have the lovely uh responsibility to bring all these amazing people together that is essentially a part of my job Um, and before i was on dorian putting these exciting opportunities together i worked for wattpad webtoon studios so the concept of fan fiction i've been deep in that for Almost about a decade. I got a really good crash course when I started at Wattpad. Um, so so happy to be a part of this conversation and excited to see what the audience is feeling. Thank you so much for everyone who's sending hearts and yes. emojis. This is so fun. Um, what do I think about this adaptation? Was the first question right? Yeah. I. Love it. Uh, I'll be honest. I haven't read the books, but I did in my early youth watch that first movie with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, um, and I like. I I really thought I really liked it then, but now I rewatched it and compared it to the show. Wow, what a difference <laughs> a few decades make! Uh, I really love this adaptation. I really love what they've how they've updated everything and made it feel both like a historical view, but also inserted a lot of contemporary elements, which I really loved. Um, and I mean, as a person of color, it was very nice to see an insertion of diversity that was missing from the earlier version. So for me, I really love it. I know we're gonna dig into this a little bit more, so I don't want to monopolize this intro. But it, the answer is yes, yes, I love this new adaptation very much. So,
0: Mwah, perfect. And and before we get to our last panelist, you're you're so right, uh, Ayana. It's not just that they inserted a personal color which i think a lot of modern adaptations do you know you'll color switch somebody or you'll gender swap someone but what this did is center that color swap by like the story itself is about louis being a black man in 1910 when this story begins so like i think that's central to it our final panelist. The, the creator among us and, and probably the one who's got the, the most understanding of this app and, and the right. audience here, Brandon Chen. Thank you, Brandon, for joining us tonight. You're going to talk about some of your new content. But first, just tell everybody, anybody who might be joining us, fans of ours, mm. who are you? And, and tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: I'm an author. Um, I write primarily like all serialized work. Um have also partnered with Dorian to create really cool games like uh, Blue Spark and Red Spark. And obviously the new uh, Interview with the Vampire kind of spinoff series, um, and yeah, I mean, I just, like, write for video games, novels, manga, uh, webtoons as well, and uh, also make content on the internet, so, you know, that's pretty much all I do.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Brandon, for joining us, and, and now that everybody is in here, I want to dive right into it. Um, we're going to talk about fan fiction, adaptation, the way those two things weave together, spin-offs uh of of all of our favorite stories not just interview with the vampire but brandon i want to start with you um specifically because you are both a creator and yet you're working with dorian which is kind of known for this like fan fiction sort of slant on things what are your thoughts about fan fiction uh you know what rights and and control does an original storyteller have over their content once it's out in the world that uh erica made the, the quote this morning in our chat from the interview itself, Daniel says, when you tell the story and you put it out there, they're going to do with it, whatever they're going to do with it. What are your thoughts on this? A king and a queen, thank you for joining us. Thanks for everybody to join us. Uh, I don't mean to skip you over, but I want to hear what Brandon has to say about this. Where's that line? What do you think about that?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think fanfic is like really a good opportunity for for people to kind of, on one hand, it's like, oh, like you kind of want to stay true to like, you know, the the source material, On the other hand, you want to have fun. You want to do new twists on things. I think, um, I don't know. I think it would be too. It wouldn't be as creative if you were just to like think about, hey, what would the original storyteller want from whatever new thing that I'm creating, right? I think ultimately, um, you're a new you're a new creator. You're doing a new twist on perhaps an existing IP, um, and so I think it's a good opportunity to really like. It wouldn't be as fun, I think, if you were to just only think about what other people are want when as you're creating uh this fan fiction of a story and i think actually you know letting yourself kind of be free with your own imagination on this unique take on said ip really allows for um a lot of different kind of what's it called different uh twists in terms of like what you can get out of it
0: yeah yeah as a as a creator do you find yourself Brandon, like I was literally having this conversation with my son the other day. Mm-hmm. He's getting into D and D. He's fourteen years old, and I was telling him how I wish I had had D and D and those rule sets at fourteen years old as a like corral and sort of boundaries for my own storytelling. I feel mm-hmm. like I would have been much more creative if I had had like a box to put those stories in instead of a, an open blank page can be <laughs> sort of constricting in its own way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
4: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what—that's why you know I started off doing fanfics when I was like thirteen, maybe like, or maybe even younger. Ultimately, like, I think a lot of writers or even artists as well, it's a good idea to start with fanfiction just because, like, you don't have to create everything from scratch, right? You don't have to create the entire world from scratch, all these new characters. You have some kind of basis that you can use and then kind of start to add onto this world, and then from there yeah. you start to develop your own kind of individual, like what you like out of writing, what you like out of characters and what you don't like, like, you know, you, you might write like a character that already exists and be like, wow, I don't really like that character. I kind of want to change it. And then you can use that to grow, I think as a writer going forward. So I, I agree with you that that kind of those barriers that come with like writing fan fiction at the start really do help writers and artists as well um, to start to, to build themselves up from the ground.
0: We're going to talk specifically about Brandon's new story that started dropping today here on Dorian. He's got some content that's connected to interview with the vampire, really cool stuff. We got a preview of it last week, but I want to move for a second to um, Ashley and bring you in on this, Ashley and, and Erica. I want to talk to you as well. And rice in particular had such an interesting history with mm. fan fiction. Um, a Not a fan
1: of, of the, f- the fan fiction. Yeah,
0: well, so, and she <laughs> eventually turned around and it. like, yeah, exactly, complex, but yeah, okay, complex yeah. relationship. Com- we know something
1: Hashtag about those two, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I think so much of it... Go ahead. I just think so much of it comes from feeling like those characters are of her soul. You know what I mean? And um, I think that over... And, and what fan fiction looked like in the 90s is very different than what fan fiction looks like now. Um, it wasn't as... as, as done I wasn't as often done and I think that she had one of the few IPs that people were really kind of delving in and really writing a lot about and and then starting in these early early years of the internet posting them up and things like that so I think that it was kind of a difficult a different world and a little kind of frightening to think about something you feel so strongly about being changed and altered in ways that you didn't necessarily approve of Um, but I think that it's taken such a it's become such a common, like a common way of young artists to start writing and expressing and for us to see these characters we love in different scenarios that we didn't possibly imagine i think that it just it kind of opens up your world deeper and i think that um that's something that's really cool about you know this immortal universe that we have that we can play in is that you know it's the possibilities are infinite she would never have been able to write everything that fans can write. You know what I mean? Like you can't publish that many books. And there are so many blanks and years, you know years between some of the books, years between some of the uh, uh, experiences we see our characters have. And it's really awesome for me as a fan to have that filled in for me, you know in different ways and it, from different perspectives. And I, I think it just it makes the stories it makes the stories richer. Um, and I think she would probably have a very different opinion about it now.
0: Erica, first of all, I agree with that, Ashley. Everybody drink. Um, I do think she would have a very different opinion of it now. I think, I mean, not to bring up the author who shall not be named, but uh, our lady of the Harry Potter, she sort of like bought it wholeheartedly when she did, she built Pottermore, right? And she's like, you guys come into my house, and you build whatever you want to build here. And we'll have all of these different experiences. And I think if Anne was 15, 20 years younger, she would have very much have done, she would have owned something like this yeah. with, with the Interview with the Vampire Experience, honestly. Um, so we're so excited that Dorian has this kind of connection with the TV series to be able to allow fans to tell those sorts of stories. But Erica, you know, as a longtime Anne Rice fan, it's not like Anne wasn't prone to a little bit of fan fiction herself. I think about the the famous uh, Louis Lestat wedding post that she wrote on Facebook. <laughs>
2: yes. Yes, Endgame. It's coming, everybody. Um, yeah, actually, so I was really thinking about how to both of your points, you know, Anne, when she wrote these books, particularly Interview with a Vampire, she was in a very different headspace. Louie, she saw herself as Louie. She saw herself as someone in grief. She had lost her child and, and turned that into a character named Claudia. And. But the thing is, is you know, seven years passed before she wrote The Vampire Lestat, and she went on record many times over. And her uh, you know, her biographers said this, et cetera, et cetera, over time, as Anne herself, because she was also an alcoholic when this was going on to interview with the vampire, as she herself found more positivity in her life and she was finding other kinds of things to make her happy, she actually distanced herself from Louis. That's why Louis gets, you know kind of lost in the rest of the books a bit which is why i'm so thrilled about jacob anderson because he i'm just i'm for the first time in all these years i'm rooting for louis for a change um and but the thing is is i think anne had you know to ashley's point point, Anne had this really really complicated personal connections to not just the stories but the the characters and what they represented so i think over time that shifted and I think, you know, to a point, a, a quick aside about adaptation, one thing I am curious about as I'm watching the fandom uh, go through all of these ups and downs with each episode and the, the people that have read the books, the people that have only seen the movie, the people that have only watched the TV show and all of the above, I am gonna be curious because I do think that the one thing, if you've never read any of the books, Maybe if you watch the movie, but especially if you're never reading the books, I don't know that the TV show alone has given us enough subtle shades of gray to imply that there is all of this backstory. That her she changes, therefore Lestat changes, and then he actually becomes the protagonist of the rest of the book. So we better learn to love him somehow. Um, But I think it's because it's because it's so connected to Anne, and I think that's why she had such a you know such a hard time with fan fiction, because she was seeing it as so black and white that it was people potentially criticizing her pain, criticizing her history, criticizing the journey she went on as she learned who Lestat was, who Louis was, who these characters were. And so I think, you know, I agree with both of you that I think if it was, if, if Anne had been able to see what has come out of this amazing show with the fan fiction, I think she would be feeling a little bit differently about it. Um I wish we could hear Christopher's view on it, but maybe someday we'll hear his opinion.
0: I boy the more that I think about it the more I'm Kind of glad that we're not hearing Christopher's view on very frankly. So let me, I, I want to jump in there first and then I'll get to you in a minute, Ayana, because I wanted to hear your very particular take on one aspect of this, especially, and I want everybody else to too. But I've pulled up the question here, folks, the first question for tonight Is there a right or wrong way to fanfic? Go ahead and vote for that. I'm not going to vote uh, until we're kind of ready to move on because when I do, I think it starts a countdown. You can't, it'll close the voting for everybody. But um, please feel free to vote on that and tell us what you think about it. Is there a right or wrong way to, to write fanfic? I think Anne, I was thinking very much this last like week or so about Anne and Christopher's insistence that Lestat be centered and, and sort of like firsted in an adaptation. Uh, Christopher's original script when this thing was at Hulu was called The Wolf Killer. And it started with Lestat's mortal life from the vampire Lestat. And then you'd get to interview with the vampire, maybe in a season two or even a season three, you'd get that story. But again, mostly from Lestat's perspective. And at first I was sort of like, why do they want to do that? And it finally occurred to me this past week. I think it simply comes down to Anne and therefore Christopher as a a byproduct couldn't understand how you could center Louis in the story and make him very compelling as a protagonist. Because of the fact that Louis is so tied to that period of Anne's life And she never figured him out. She said as much, even in the Prince Lestat interviews when she's releasing those final trilogy, where he does kind of sort of come into play again in in Lestat's life in a big way. That's why all the book readers are saying Lestat in game. But even there, um, she didn't know what to do with him other than be fawned over by Lestat and a lot of the other vampires like Armand, you know. So this show figured it out. Rollin and the other creators had a pitch, you know, I think, uh Louis, as a Creole man in the early nineteen tens that then became like a spin off of that first decision. They needed to move the timeline a little bit. Those two decisions gave Louis an agency and a charisma and a compelling arc for himself as a character that you can very easily see how you insert him as a you know bigger player into the events of the later books while still you're right, Erica bringing Lestat more into the center as a complex and more lovable figure. Whereas now, yeah, if you only watch the show, my wife has asked me after almost every episode, why do you people like this guy again?
1: (laughs) Not all of us are are Lestat apologists. (laughs) No, I love him, I love him. But I also, I think there's something to be said about being too close to your characters. And there's something in an adaptation, you have to be willing Number one, to work with a writer's room of people that are going to be working together to bring the producer's vision to fruition, and um, and when we are too close to our darlings, we can't do the things we need to do to them.
2: You have to, to make kill the story
1: as compelling. You have to kill your darlings. You have to mm-hmm. make them awful. You have to, you know, you. Have Characters have to go through change and progress and destruction and all of that to make it interesting, to keep us interested, you know, 40 years after the original book was written. So I think that um, sometimes it's nice to have a step back and to have a different voice being heard, a different voice telling your story, because we can get too precious with it. And when we do that, we just miss out on so many opportunities for, for richness and improvement.
0: Absolutely. Everybody drink once again. Ashley's so smart. This is the reason why we agree all the time. She's really smart, guys. Ayana, I'm going to bring you in here, but first I am going to cast my vote. So here we're starting the vote timer, everybody. Go ahead and get your votes in for is there a right or wrong way to fanfic. Ayana, specifically, I want to ask you here, how cool a thing is it for the Dorian platform, uh, a platform where you're trying to really foster creativity and fan fiction style stories and and bring new creators in so that they feel comfortable creating their own stories how important was it to have a big ip like interview with the vampire like amc's immortal universe um you know what does that do for those creators we talked about it sort of as like training wheels not to belittle it but um it, it think of it more like adaptability, right? Like like when you think on your phone, you want like a, a accessibility features, right? That make it easier for people, whatever their need may be to use that device or platform. I almost think of this as like accessibility for creators or storytellers. It's like
1: a sandbox. Like you already know the sandbox is in the playground, so you know how to play with the sandbox, you know? It kind of gives yeah. you that, yeah.
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, I've worked in this space for almost a decade, uh, when I combine all this kind of online work that I've done, and, I, and I've always worked with creators, sometimes newer content creators, sometimes uh, young content creators. So having an opportunity, like, you know, aligning with a, a pretty major IP, like I do with the vampire, it essentially gives these content creators, like I say, like the keys to the castle, right? Like, the reality is that like a lot of I mean, writers specifically, because that's usually the type of content creators that I work with, they that is their kind of pathway in. And I don't, and I feel like to take away the ability to find your own way in, it's really, it's really unfair. Like, as long as you're treating it with care, I think that there's an opportunity and an ability for everyone. Thanks, Julia. <laughs> um, I, I, and because I worked with so many young creatives who are super, super talented, but oftentimes they just need that little step forward to kind of get them to the place where I know that they have the ability to be. And sometimes that is working within the the ecosystem of fan fiction. And some of I know big authors that are that are far beyond you know the the levels of success. Some of their stories are like, oh, when I was a teen. In my journal i wasn't journaling about my life i was creating these fleshed out stories of my favorite boy band or you know these fictional characters that i love from the books that i was reading because where the story was going i thought it could go further or where the character's story ended i thought that there was so much more story to tell and they took that as the foundation and just build upon that and if we were to think about it in terms of like you know, uh, a visual artist starting with like a paint by numbers or with um, a coloring book where there's lines, they don't stay in the coloring book forever. Eventually they evolve and they have their own beautiful pieces of artwork that we can, we get to consume. And for me, that's what I've learned about fanfic is like giving everyone the ability to have the tools, and those tools look different for every person. So it allows a level of inclusivity that I think we forget when we just talk about, oh, fanfic, as this world where, you know, they're sexualizing their characters. It's so much more than that. And at Dorian, it was, it's exciting because not only do they get to create those stories, but they take it up a level in this multimedia space where it's not just text, it's not just illustrations. It's those worlds coming together. It's interactive. It's live streams. (laughs) So like it'll, and, and the, the partnering with the IP just really takes the, the shame away from sometimes what happens when you use the word fanfic or adaptations or spinoffs. And it'll, and it just gives them the freedom to be like, okay, like it's been validated. I can just do this and not be worried about like what, the original creator is gonna think or that fandom's gonna think like I got the keys to the castle like see, AOC says it's okay like the Anne rice um, world ecosystem has says it's okay. So for me that's the thing that was is super important and super powerful is to be able to be given the merging of these two worlds together and just saying let's just see what happens here and embrace it. And if it wasn't for this sort of opportunity, we wouldn't have amazing content creators like Brandon Chen, who's done, right. who's done an amazing job of his story. So for me, that is the most powerful thing. And when I think about fanfic, and that's a world that I didn't know before I kind of started working in the content creator space. But I've definitely learned a whole bunch and I appreciate it so much more.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And it is. It's like you. I, that question was like, what are the best examples? And you answered it without answering it, right? The best example everybody thinks of immediately. You go to Fifty Shades of Grey and the origin of that is fan fiction. You're like, oh, fan fiction is just the regular thing except they're going to all have sex, right? But it's not, I mean, it can be that too. Don't get me wrong. We like that as well. But but it's not. We love our sexy vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. It doesn't well, have I to be that too, at all. I
1: think too, um, especially in a world like this where there are literally so many freaking characters that exist in this world like my favorite character is barely one of my favorite characters is barely in anything you know like just these different vampires kind of fancy pandora oh okay i love pandora um yeah i um so the opportunity to hear and see creators make content about tell me more stories about my, about our vampires that we don't hear as much about, you know, like I am so into that in the biggest way possible. Um, I think that it's just, it's a gift to fans is what it is. You know, fanfic is a gift to us. You know, even if you're not a creator of it, it's, it's a gift to me. I appreciate you guys for writing some really cool for me to enjoy.
0: (laughs) So my, the thing that has been just As soon as we had this first conversation, Ayana, the thing that just kept echoing for me is the most successful entertainment product in the world right now, and it's been so for a while, is the MCU, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what is the MCU if not fan fiction primarily orchestrated by Kevin Feige? Like, he loved these comic books. And he loved these characters. And in the beginning, he didn't even have control or the rights to all of them. And so he pieced well, then- together the ones that he had in his sandbox that he had to, to play with. And he built the best stories that he could out of it. And if you go, hi, Regina, thanks for joining us. If you go look specifically at like Age of Ultron movie, the Avengers Age of Ultron or Captain America Civil War, both of those are directly titles that they pulled from the comic books. But if you go and read those comic books, runs those those storylines the movie adaptation is nothing like the original story he took the title which was compelling he took a handful of the characters that were in those things and then threw them together in a scenario that was interesting and uh you know realistic based on what had come before it so far in the storyline like and nobody gives the mcu crap for not being a direct translation of the stuff that's on the page sometimes we do ask for like Hey, we want more true to the page costuming, you know, for instance, that's something that we've asked for for years. Like give us the real, the colorful costumes, give us some sort of spandex something, you know, or whatever. But other than that, we're not angry when the storyline goes a different way. As a matter of fact, as comic fans we're generally excited because, Oh, I've got new stuff that I can enjoy as well. And I think I know where it might go. And I can tell you how this all played out once before, but here I don't know how it's going to go. And so for me, I've been thinking about Roland Jones adaptation and AMC's adaptation of, of interview with the vampire in that way. And if you do that, I think you're super excited about it. It's like, oh, here's another swing at all of these stories. And maybe we go into different nooks and crannies. Maybe Pandora plays a huge role here because because you can, maybe AMC thinks, oh, we can give her our own spinoff show, for instance. Scarlet Silver, thanks for uh, joining this, the feed here. Maybe they well, think that, yeah, I too, she's spinoff material, so this, make her huge.
1: Another side of this too is like, you see someone like Dave Filoni, who's doing a ton of creative work doing a lot of the heavy lifting for uh for star wars uh right now and is just out of this world amazing talented and he like he reads to me like a fan like someone who knows the world loves the world has been living in that world since he was a wee one you know and so fan fiction writers are who (laughs) or who these big companies are are hiring to write, essentially, because that's where they cut their teeth and that's the world they know. And my God, the stories they can tell
2: us if we just sit back and let them. Can I add something to that too? I'm just thinking about Please. how um well Rashid, right? Uh, to you know talking about taking a minor character like Pandora. Well, Rashid, he exists, but he's like this teeny, tiny little character in a later book that no one remembered until somebody looked it up in the alphabetary, right? And then, surprise, he's Armand. You know, I think <laughs> that it is—it's it, a testament to a version of a fanfic, but also, so you're 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 engaging with the book readers who know who these people are but you're twisting it for them. You're giving them something new. You're keeping them on their toes. and But it's still a compelling storyline. So people that don't have that backstory, they still get really excited, even though they may not exactly know what that means at the very end, who the hell is Armand? But they still recognize that, uh-oh, this is, you know, we there's some shit gonna hit the fan in season two. And that, and so it brings them into it, go, oh, I wanna know more, I wanna know more. So I would kind of argue that taking a character like that in particular is a version of fanfic, especially when you're talking about the like Rollin Jones and the writer's rooms, um, because all the writers in the writer's rooms, I mean, look at their IMDB pages, check them out. I mean, these are, these are playwrights. These are fa- fantastic people. The directors, these are all, I mean, just, everyone involved in this project and the whole immortal universe, especially with, you know, the vampire chronicles, these are fans. These are people that are obsessed with this. I mean, this is, even if they had not read every book, they felt a real affinity and connection to this and they wanted to keep the audience on their toes, but it was all coming from a place of interest and love and, you know, wanting to bring it into a new, you know, to a new audience and update things that they could. I think it's fantastic.
0: I a million percent agree with that. And Erica, I want to, I think this is a good place to insert something that you and I talked uh, earlier about today, but but first I do want to remind people we're going to get to Brandon in just a second and get him to tell us a little bit about his new story that starts dropping, uh, started dropping today. I should say you'll be able to play it in weekly installments, I think over the next several weeks. Erica, you you and I were talking about how some of the book purists are, are saying, well, you know, it's not Anne's voice. It doesn't have enough of her poetry. Uh, they've changed too many things, et cetera, et cetera. You are currently rereading and you've found some really interesting passages and some connections that are like straight in the thing. In particular, I want you to tell us about the paintings.
2: Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, so I'm, you know, I've, re- I've read these books a lot. I'm just, I, I'm almost at the end of um, Queen of the Damned for like the third, fifth time of rereading this. It's the um, Devil's Minion chapter. For those who know this book, it's a specialty. What the Devil's Minions chapter is, it is the original Daniel became a vampire. Spoiler, sorry, I have to say it because this is important. Because it's like a 40 year old book, you're good. Exactly. But also to that point in this chapter, Armand and Daniel as a young human, we're lovers for 12 years. And so, and and then we don't know what and how that ended. We don't actually, not even in the books. We don't quite know how this is. Well, we know that he turns into a vampire, but we don't know if there was anything else that could allude to the fact that in the television show, they've really changed things. Obviously, Daniel is almost in his seventies, I believe. So, rereading this chapter, all of a sudden, I just kept finding line after line after line that I realized that the writers' room were basically pulling from this chapter and inserting into all of the different scenes in the television show between Louis Armand, oh, excuse me, Rashid, and <laughs> um, Daniel. So, I mean, there is some pretty compelling stuff. I mean, it goes there's stuff from um, basically, you know, Armand. Uh, choosing Daniel's clothing for him, ordering all these different dishes and having them brought to the table, whether he wanted it or not, picking the entertainment, figuring out, Armand loves technology, by the way, um, including blenders. And uh, he's an art freak. So uh, Armand is known for stealing precious works of art, Degas, uh, where else does he say? I'm trying to remember all the different ones he lists. Um, and then he would hand them to Uh, Daniel to have Daniel resell them and get the money so that they could be like bazillionaires. So what's really interesting is there is actually a line uh, at the very end. It's one of the last few pages of that chapter where basically Daniel is recalling some of the things that um, uh, I'm trying to find it. Sorry about this. Uh, Daniel's trying to figure out just what he's doing in this relationship. He wants to be turned into a vampire. Armand keeps saying, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And then, um, I mean, in, in the books he does eventually. However, I just, I found this really interesting line and I will quickly read it. So, um, for those of you who've read the, or watched the TV show, you know that there are these precious works of art all over Louis' uh, penthouse. It's Armand's because that's, Louis is way classier than all of that. But anyway, uh, Armand has amazing, giant works of art on the wall. There is, we see it in multiple different scenes. It's by the, uh, the artist Francis Bacon. Originally, he's Irish. He does crazy stuff. Please Google him if you don't know Francis Bacon. He did a thing that's a triptych, which means you have three separate panels of a painting. And I believe it was from... Ooh, the 40s, 50s. Uh, it was at the Tate Modern in London. So anyway, if you look at the TV show, they're on his wall, and um, which is she sent me. She
0: sent me the photos earlier in, in an email. I wish I could post them here. They, it is yeah. so clearly those exact photos.
2: Uh, it's crazy. That are referenced yeah, the book. And, but so you've got a these. Po- well, I, yeah. Well, I'm Go sorry. Ahead. Real quick, just because otherwise, so people no, will be like, please. "What the heck are these people talking about?" So here's a real quick uh, thing that Daniel says. He's he's talking about these paintings and talking about Armand. So vivid the figures in the painting, formless creatures who were actually great thick smears of glaring yellow and red paint. Everything that looked alive was alive. That was a distant possibility. You painted armless beings, swimming in blinding color, and they had to exist like that forever. Could they see you with all those tiny scattered eyes? Or did they only see heaven and hell of their own shining realm? Anchored to the studs in the wall by a piece of twisted wire. If you go back and look at that, go if you have AMC Plus, check it out. I think that the writers pulled this and then turned it into the actual paintings, and then the production design production design art team put it on the wall. And that's an adaptation, folks. That is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That I mean,
0: and also, boy, Anne Rice can really write, can't she? Like, what a what a yeah, anybody.
2: Anyone that says that we haven't had enough of her pros in here, I'm sorry. I mean, I know I'm reading from the book, but it's everywhere. It's everywhere in the television show. I mean, the balcony scene with Lestat talking to Louis, I mean, he's pulling directly from the the interview with the vampire book, and it's just, it's beautiful. It
0: really is lovely. Um, Folks, we are are rounding out a little bit of our uh, uh, time here, so I do want to be... respectful of everybody's time. And Brandon, in particular, I want to get to you now. Uh, Get your vote in, by the way. I'm about to uh, close the voting there on uh, whether we're doing okay. All right. Everybody says we're all right. Brandon, tell us a little bit about this story. And uh, it started dropping today. Am I right on that?
4: Yeah. So just dropped today. um, The story follows two characters, John and Kayla, who are original characters. So obviously, it's a fan fiction. So Brand new characters, super cool, super exciting uh, to be able to play kind of in this world with, with new original characters in the new story. Um, and they're detectives. They're, they're uh, detectives that are ultimately looking at these uh, murders that have been happening where obviously it's vampiric vibes, but no one's really like knowing that they're vampires, right? So the story obviously cuts into Interview with the Vampire, the AMC series. Um, through the perspective of these two um, detectives that are trying to figure out why there's dead people everywhere.
1: <laughs> I love this it's perspective. Not the,
4: it's not the
0: so bureaucrats. Isn't that what is it the stat called it?
1: <laughs> it's so brilliant. I love this like perspective on this story. Like this is to me, the best part mm. of fan fiction is like getting a whole different, like a, uh, especially in this world it's all about the uh, unreliable narrators and our different narrators and sharing the story and to Mm. like that slant on it mm, it appeals to my true crime love and it appeals to my (laughs) vampire love i am Mm. so here for it brandon
4: no i think it was exciting and for me because i'm i'm a newer newer fan to this kind of ip so um for me it was like a lot easier to like write it like from a newer perspective coming into it as opposed to, like, you know, like, just jumping right in. And I wanted to create um, an experience that would be enjoyable for both, like, fans of the series, but also, like, newcomers as well, kind of like me, right? So I uh, wanted to to create something that was, like, very uh, – what's it called? Entry level.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And so – and people are going to be able to get to – there'll be, like, separate chapters that will drop weekly. Am I right, or am I did I misread that?
4: Yeah, so it drops – Weekly? I think it's, well, today is Monday, so I'm assuming that it'll drop every Monday, but
0: I might be wrong.
4: I I know it's weekly, but I'm pretty sure it's every Monday, if today's Monday,
0: so... I think, I think you're right on that. I think that's what some of the documentation that I looked at earlier. And, and I love the fact that, like, for us, we've been sort of in this habit of new interview with the vampire content, right? Every week, AMCs could mm-hmm. drop something out of a box. And they continue to, thank goodness, with the cast diaries. And we got obsessed with the vampire a couple of weeks ago. But um, now you can come to the Dorian app and continue to get that. Uh, sort of uh, drip of content for uh, Interview with the Vampire in this world uh, all the way through until basically when the Mayfairs get here, right? How many weeks of content yeah. do we have, Brandon?
4: Um, There's six episodes for for this um, Interview with the Vampire spinoff, and then there's, um, I think there's, yeah, Mayfair Witch characters that are starting with the show in January,
0: if I recall. What should be Very exciting. So, so there will be crossover there and I think there will be like Mayfair specific stuff dropping into the Dorian app, just like there was with, with interviews so that uh, all of the creators can use that. Um, And again, Ayana, I'll bring you in here for a second. Talk about the, that, that deal, the excitement there to, um, to sign on for the Mayfair stuff as well. I noticed, I'll bring in one of the comments from the um, question uh, some, or from the comments, somebody said, uh, do we know how many seasons the show is scheduled to be? In the official podcast episode, this last episode, the two producers, Rollin and... um, What's the other guy's name? I forgot. Uh, anyway, the, the, yes, Mark. Mark, who is behind Breaking Bad and, and Better Call Saul and a lot of other shows from AMC. He's sort of overseeing uh, the Immortal Universe. He said six, seven seasons to this show... But he also again referenced multiple projects in the works for the Immortal Universe, not just Mayfair Witches, not just uh, Interview with a Vampire. And I. There are more shows like Obsessed with a Vampire and stuff, but I don't. I didn't get that impression. I think he wants more mainstream dramas on AMC Plus and AMC Proper um, to sort of keep this engine going.
2: Well, the Night of oh the correct?
0: Yeah. Okay. Perfect question. I don't know if anybody knows. So I. They said Night Island early on, like way yeah. early on AMC. They yeah. said, we're going to do this and this and Night Island probably. And then nothing else. I've found, I've Googled, I've my Google foo is strong. I've Googled the hell out of Night Island. I found one website with any sort of story about it and no confirmation from like a variety or anything like that. So I wonder if that stalled or if maybe the way that they brought Armand into this season has changed their plans for that. I will say this, Assad's awesome. I think people are going to be madly in love with him by the time we get through season two content. And I think a show all about Assad and his Armand and, and, you know, a, a crazy vampire hotel around him. I think people would be way down for that.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, Brandon, with the time changes that they've made to our vampire world here, our witches and vampires could potentially cross paths. Does that give you some opportunity for, to use these characters that you've created for this storytelling adventure that we're going on with you, um, in the world of the witches as well?
4: I think so. I think so. Ooh. I can't, I don't know what I'm allowed to say. <laughs> so oh, I'm like, uh,
1: did I guess all right. oh.
4: <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm just, I'm just here. But I'm so excited. I'm very pumped.
2: Very pumped. I, have a, I have a question you might be able to answer. Um, when you're logistically, are you given, I'm curious, especially because you aren't familiar with the stories. Are you given sort of, the characters and the backgrounds and then you just kind of look through everything that they've given you and then you create the narrative from that? Because to me, like I'm looking at this right now, I mean, you see this beautiful New Orleans backdrop and these, like, these you know, instruments and whatnot. So are you getting all of the visuals first and then you get inspired to create the story or is it a different um direction?
4: So usually if I'm working on like an intellectual property that I didn't create straight from my brain, I have, I have to like... So I had to like watch the show, obviously, right? I probably there's probably no way I could read the, all the books in time. That's physically impossible. You guys have been have been in this lore for for so long, so I was <laughs> like, oh, how am I going to catch up? But um, yeah, it was mostly like doing my own research. I had there was obviously some like um, what's it called? Some documentation I could just review that would summarize everything, and then obviously watching the TV show to try and capture uh, the audiences. And I think I had some of the um, what's it called? We had some of the art assets, which was mostly backgrounds that would help like create the environment like in my head, in addition to like, like what I was seeing on the on the TV uh, series. But ultimately, like, yeah, I think it was like knowing what settings I had to play around with um, ahead of time would help me kind of like determine what I what I can do with the story. Um, And then also helped uh, and then watching the TV show and just knowing the. The, the general lore of that helped me create these two new characters
0: um, as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, some yeah. really good questions coming up in the chat. Um, uh, who asked it first? Mystic Rose said, hasn't the show made Lestat too unlikable to be redeemed in later seasons? Ashley, you said it's My, all about that oh, unreliable shit. narrator. Um, but thing? here, here's the thing the that stories, occurs to me before I. Well, let me let me say this, and then I'll hand it to you, Ashley. I'm sorry. No, that's the, fine. The thing for me is the entire series of the Vampire Chronicles is really one of adaptation and and fan fiction. In that, it is individual characters' independent take on what happened. Right, like Queen of the Damned does does this, especially where you see multiple characters go through similar events from different angles and perspectives, and it's each other's take on it. The vampire Lestat has a whole section where he rewrites effectively Interview with a Vampire from his own perspective. The broader thing about Lestat is I think he'll be redeemed when we see his backstory, when we truly see the mistreatment that he suffers by the hands of his father, when we see the lack of care and compassion that he really gets from his mother over time when we see all of these things that he went through in his mortal life and then his transition into vampirism i think that automatically makes him more lovable and more redeemable he still has things to learn and things to make up for to louis and to claudia if that's possible in time etc cetera, etc cetera. like he's not a perfect person or character none of these characters are but the the hate that i think a lot of show people have for him will abate when we get his full story. I think the same will be true for Armand, right? Armand can be as bad a guy as he wants to be in the show, but when (laughs) we see his progress and where he comes from, it's when when you see the origin of any of these quote unquote villains, think of Darth Vader with the Star Wars series. Once we saw him as a boy on Tatooine as a slave, it's hard to think of Darth Vader in the same way as like this, don't you look at me. I love Anakin, Anakin is a delightful person. He was a mistreated young man who, who didn't have a proper family upbringing. He's oh misunderstood, my God. Ashley. His grandson gonna... was pretty good, too, okay? <sighs> Lord. We're going to talk about toxic relationships next week, folks. Yeah, so we you should are, join us. And we're
1: going to take Joel to therapy because he needs it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, I, they,
4: I was going to Meg Nality, I love it.
0: Meg in the comments says the younglings disagree with Anakin being a good person. You're quite right. Yeah. My bad. My bad. My
1: bad. Uh yeah. huh. You forget he blew up all of Alderaan <laughs> just for fun, hey, fun hey. feet. That was he Tarkin. His Darth daughter. Vader didn't do that. <laughs> Which Don't is- be stupid. Don't be stupid.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I have well, to I- say on Lestat as well, but actually I know that you are like just beaming to say you're you're playing. No, funny.
1: no, it's totally fine. I just, you know, like the thing about Lestat and 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 we get to see him through so many different characters eyes which is what i think is really cool about about him is that we get to see him through louise's eyes we get to see him through armand's eyes he himself joel is a reliable unreliable narrator for himself but to see him through these other characters perspectives gives us a much better idea of what he's like and does make him more lovable in the long run and more um more you can appreciate how many different people are drawn to him in so many different ways And he has all these different relationships with all of these different characters. Nothing is Identical his relationship with Louis is very different from his relationship with Marius Very different from his relationship with Armand very different relation, you know, like I think that that's something that's not only do you get the perspectives of of each vampire in various ways, but you also get their perspective on Lestat. And that really, really is one of the things that will get you over this hump of wanting to punch him in the face.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to end it that way. But yes, I, <laughs> I, I co-sign on everything that Ashley said, but it is true. like at least in this version of the story, we are truly seeing it from, we're seeing Lestat through Louis's perspective. And there is a softness. I know it's not often, but it is there. There is a softness to Lestat that peeks out here and there, but I don't think that he's, I mean, I, again, and this is what's so amazing about like circling back to the, the theme of today, which is fanfic, which is like, you can take that character and those small hints of where he is soft and really unpack that if you i'm not that creative of a person but if you were that type of person you can kind of definitely explore that further but i didn't necessarily leave this the first season being like i absolutely hate Lestat. I really, really didn't like their relationship, but I don't know if I completely hated Lestat, which is interesting. So, for everyone that's here next week, the topic is toxic relationships. <laughs> Little plug for next week. So, uh, Ashley and Joel and um, a couple of uh, one of our content creators and another team member from Dorian is going to unpack that even further. But yeah, uh, I don't think that I don't think that I hated. Lestat. I really just hated that relationship, if if that makes any sense, a little less than
1: I needed. 100% does. I'm right with you, Ayana. He is like, I know everyone's Lestat for life, and that's the end game, but this is some shit, y'all. This relationship is some shit, (laughs) and it is bad, and anyone that dated an asshole in college is
2: like, the gaslighting isn't just on the streets of New Orleans. But I will say, I mean I I do think this brings us back to adaptation again too. Lestat is not like this in the books, not like the way he's portrayed in the TV show. Yes, there's bits of it, absolutely, absolutely. But the violence that he does against Louis is not in the books. The just th- there's so many things to where I and I think it's it is unfortunate But I do think this is a visual medium we're talking about. to be able to see that awful, awful violence and to see what he's capable of, it tells us so much as an audience as we're watching something like this, you know? But I do think that we're gonna be, as we start to get more people's opinions, and yeah, no one's a reliable narrator. I think once we start seeing that it is not so simple as there because there are no villains in this there are no villains there are no heroes everybody's screwed up and has a well, hell it's of monsters, a lot of years, you know. For, yeah, it's thank horror. you. They're these monsters. Are monsters. They're vampires. Like, they are monsters.
1: Yeah, like it's easy to forget that because they dress really nice and they are oh so sexy, and their booties <laughs> are. Blah.
2: Oh my God, we they're know. in the hair and the. Oh, oh my God, hair. the wigs are even good this time. But these oh, guys. Oh, that was are too much, Ashley. That walking down they're those stairs and that those wigs. Mm-hmm. Come on. Anyway, sorry. There's one um, other audience question. I know we're. Go on ahead. This-
3: But I I feel like I do want to know what everyone feels. The question is, what what is everyone's favorite scene?
0: Oh, okay. I'm going to go first. Or episode. I'll leave it up to you. A scene or episode. No, I'm going to stick with scene. My favorite scene is the dinner scene between Louis and Lestat while they're still courting with Louis uh, family. family and Lestat. We get the first glimpse inside Lestat's soul there. He, Paul asks him a question, and Lestat, to his credit, by the way, I think this is an example of him being charismatic and being very personable and uh, genuinely, you know, human. He's trying to converse with Paul, even because of Paul's mental issues. Or I always like to think Paul is actually touched by the divine. It's not just mental health; he's he's actually been been bothered by the supernatural in some way. But they're sitting there at dinner, and Lestat starts going into his own backstory and telling the story of how he fell in love with the church and wanted to be a priest and his father snatched him out of that. And then God didn't answer his prayers to be relieved of those beatings. And that has driven this wedge between, you know, he says, that's why I'm so as far as I can be from Christ, you know, that whole scene, first of all, it's straight from the book. All of that stuff is from the book. It was a glimpse into the vampire Listat, which is my favorite novel, Sam, wow like that's i think part of the emmy reel you take that you take the balcony scene you put those together and give the man some awards but like that was the scene to me that said these people know this this story these characters they're doing this the right way they're gonna they're gonna do us a you know a good service here i love it uh brandon what about you what's your favorite scene you think
4: um uh, let me think i don't know maybe it's the (sighs) There was this one scene, I think it was, like, really early in the, in the series, but, like, it was literally, I think it might have been, like, the first episode. It was, like, where they were getting it on, right? It was Lee <laughs> and the and things were getting on. But I was, like, kind of confused, because I was, like, okay, like, this, I think, I didn't know this guy had, like, hypnotic powers or what. I kind of knew, but, like, it was, because I'm new. So I was, like, oh, my God, what is happening? So for me, I was, like, it was more, like, the shock value of, like, 20 different, like, new things happening at once. I was like, wait, they're getting it on. Wait, he's going to get bit. Wait, like, he's getting, like, mind-manipulated in this room right now. Like, I'm so – They're was flying. Yeah, there was so many emotions. So I was like, There's oh, Those wow, beautiful booties
1: cool. are in the air. <laughs>
4: Man.
0: Man, those are mm. – Ashley, to your mm. point, those Whew. are some fantastic Sorry. booties. Ashley, Brandon, that was a great scene, by the way. Thank you for highlighting yeah. it again and reminding us all of Sam Reed's ass uh Ashley, and Jacob
2: too. Come on. Well, listen.
0: Jacob too. You're right. I don't mean to belittle the man. He's listen. He's going to get his in season two.
2: hearts oh, for that. He, he, and, had, he and Assad are going to be. <laughs> it'll be <booty's, gasps> We're booty. We're going to get Assad's right. booty. Oh my God! You just We're made me realize that. Going to
0: get Assad's <sighs> booty. So Ashley, oh. quit
2: bitching about Armand now, y'all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite um, scene, Ashley?
1: I have to th- oh, this is really hard. I haven't, I didn't, didn't think it's about hurt. it beforehand, really but um, I love the uh, the scene uh, where uh, Lestat's speaking on the uh, balcony and he's mm. talking about New Orleans. And um, as such a lover of that city, um, my husband and I got engaged there. I have. I spent family vacations there as a child. It's where I wanna be almost all the time, except in like July. Um, it's just, it's a great freaking place. And
2: and it's, it
1: uses so many of, of, so much of Anne's words, so much of Anne's poetry there. It just paints this beautiful picture of the fragility of this very strong and powerful place that these people have to choose to live there. You have to choose to be a part of that world and, um, and and I love, I love that so much. It was so beautifully spoken and so beautifully, um, so beautifully presented, you know, it just is one of those things that just oh, melted, melted my heart, you know, just kind of in general. So I guess that's probably my number one.
0: I, I that was one of my favorites too. I'm glad you, you chose it. Ayana, what about you?
3: For me, it's been a while um, since I've watched uh, the show, Something but like it's the screeners. I, I might have seen it. <laughs> seen <that> <laughs> but the one that stands out to me the most is, you know, Claudia arrives, and I feel like at that point, to some of the the comments uh, that are happening in the chat, like you really feel like okay. Lestat is the villain and Louis is the hero and that is how they interact with each other and the introduction of Claudia really unearths some of Louis's own demons and when she I don't remember if they're sitting on a bench or not but she kind of calls him out on like I feel like you judge us because we're not we're going for the we're going for humans and you're going for animals and I need you to stop judging us and that just i'm like getting goosebumps just thinking about it now because sometimes the person who is kind of seen as the hero is really kind of navigating life judging everybody else and i thought that it comes from the innocence of like a younger person what did they say in the chat the youngins sometimes they are the best people to call you out on things like that and for me that really stood out and i was like oh my god I cannot wait for more Claudia because she is just putting these men in their place. And for me, that was the scene that stood out to me the most.
0: I love it. I love it. Eric, uh, um, Bailey Bass's Claudia, I think has been just mm. as big, a positive change to this series as Jacob. I think we get lost in yeah. Jacob because yeah. the creators of all said I he's going to be Claudia. here for the whole show.
1: Yeah. I love Claudia period. I loved that character. I've loved, always loved that character. And Bailey has been amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that the changes they've made to the character age-wise and and everything has just done nothing but, but give us more opportunities
2: to enjoy the story without feeling like a creep.
0: Erica, let's wrap up with you. What was your favorite scene?
2: I have to go with an oldie but goodie. And that is when Jacob is turned in the church um, as mm-hmm. somebody who is a recovering Catholic, probably forever and ever. Um, that there was so much just just the beautiful cinematography and that to see these two queer men sitting there amidst carnage and not caring and just looking at each other. And I think to go back to what we were saying with Lestat a little bit, you know, he that that to me was, a preview of who I think we're going to see in future seasons, because I believe that he was true when he said those things to Louis. You know, Louis needed to hear that because he deserved to hear it, and he hadn't been. He'd been living all these lives, and, you know, he was not true to any of them, and here was this man that comes to him and say says, screw all that, I'll give it to you, and you can do whatever you want. You can stop pretending. Obviously, that's not how it turned out, but, uh, you know, I still think that not only was the, be- like the actual imagery so beautiful and I'm seeing these two queer men owning it and kissing each other and it's so beautiful. The music, oh my God, Daniel Hart, that music. And I will say to me, because it's part of that same scene, it's pulled directly from Interview with a Vampire. When Louis in Dubai 2022 is recall- recalling to Daniel the part about the drum and the mm-hmm. thud and he heard it through the forest, and then he heard two, and then he realized it was Lestat's heart and his, and they were joining. That is pulled directly from, I mean, it was just to me as a filmmaker, I just went, yep, yep, they know what they're doing. This is, this is visual storytelling, everybody. This is like, look, Nick, take your notes, take your notes, talk about it in class, because this shit is amazing. And I cry every single time I watch that, and I'm sorry, I'm an Aries, I don't cry. You don't do that. And I cry every time I watch that scene. I'm a tourist, so I cry all the time.
1: (laughs) Um, Liz mentioned in the chat a second ago. I know, right? Liz mentioned in the chat um, the, the, uh, the, uh, 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 chess game and that between between Lestat and Claudia and that was a hell of a scene too Um, that's definitely one that was like want to me and such great foreshadowing about what was going to happen in that final episode and how our girl was in fact five steps ahead of him Big
0: time. I'm going to jump off of what you said, Erica, and use it to tease next week as we wrap up here tonight. Thanks everybody, by the way, for taking part in the stream. Thanks everybody for who who sat in and listened to us and watched us while we did it. But, um, you know, that scene in the church is really lovely. I mean, it's also, there's gore everywhere, right? But I mean, the, the emotions between Louis and Lestat are very true and very lovely. However, I think it is Right central to the nature of their toxic relationship, which is one of the things we're going to talk about next week on our stream next Monday night, uh, toxic relationships right here again on Dorian. But there's a fundamental misunderstanding between Louis and Lestat that takes place even there between the two of them. Lestat says that, you know, he sees Louis and he wants Louis to be himself, uh, his beautiful self throughout eternity. And yet that's not honestly accurate. Lestat believes completely that Louis is hiding himself that he's sort of like got some self-shame going on as a gay man, as a vampire then later, whereas for Louis it's about code switching and navigating the world in which he lives and he doesn't understand Lestat's lack of, of realization of that. And that fundamental misunderstanding, like everything branches off from it, I think. So we're gonna talk about that and all the your favorite toxic relationships from fandom. We're gonna talk about that next week. I wanna say first quickly, thank you to Erica. Erica, where can people follow you if they wanna hear more from you online uh, after this?
2: Uh, I go by my full name, Erica Robert, the men's name, paulo P-A-L-L-O. So it's E-R-I-C-A, R-O-B-E-R-T, P-A-L-L-O. On pretty much everything except for Twitter and it's Erica R Paulo and I have a website uh, with that full name as well
0: awesome thank you so much for joining us to spend some time with us um, Brandon uh, people can access the stories here on Dorian starting today with the first chapter tell everybody the title again
4: um, interview with a vampire blood hunter it's here on Dorian and also Um, yeah, you can find my stuff, uh, also here on Dorian, Inspired Author.
0: You want to point them to anywhere else on a Twitter or something like that?
4: Oh, I'm Inspired Author on almost everything, uh, Inspired Mangaka on Twitter, because someone, someone took it, but, uh.
3: Bastard?
0: Those darn name stealers. Ayana, where can people find you, uh, if they would like to interact with you after this?
3: they can find me on dorian <laughs> they can find uh me yeah on dorian um and also my what is my instagram account oh it's Iana banana. <laughs> i never, banana i know in it i never know what it is but at Iana banana uh i, I post a lot of a lot of stuff about dorian um and if you go to our discord as well anyone who might be new here and wants to like, you know, get a a session onboarding on, on how to use Dorian, how to be a content creator like Brandon, um, me and my team Liz is on the call as well. I think Christina might be here as well. Um, We're definitely the team to help you kind of get your creative juices flowing. I think I put the title of Brandon's um, story in the next uh, taps over. And the
0: next tap. Oh, look at you! I was held. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Look, we get to look at the stat again, so I'll i never mind that.
3: Feel free to try <laughs> your
0: hand at your own fanfic stories. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for showing up and participating. A special thanks to Brandon for joining us. There you go. Interview with the vampire blood hunter. The blood hunter. That's the one to look for. Folks. I cannot um, wait. Ashley, tell everybody where they can find you online as well, if they'd like to follow I'm, you.
1: I'm mostly at Ashley Wright Eiler um, for most things. Um, if you think I'm funny and charming, you can follow The Joint Venture, which is a comedy improv troupe that I'm part of. I do improv comedy and a little bit of stand-up every now and again. Um, but yeah, Ashley Wright Eiler, I-H-L-E-R.
0: And, of course, you can listen to more of Ashley and I, including, I, I think, I hope, I've got my fingers crossed, I think we're going to have a replay of this discussion on our podcast as well, Articulate Coven. I hope so. it's our, in, our
1: fans will love it. Do you yeah, have- it's, in, <laughs> it's in
0: all of the, uh, thank you so much for the hearts. Yeah, it's in all of the places where you listen to podcasts, so find us there. Um, I actually just left Twitter, <laughs> but I'm on Tumblr. Uh, you can find me on Tumblr at Articulate Coven and, uh, the rogues lives, I think is my, my personal one there. And then we've got a, um, a, a discord ourselves, a discord that we just started for the show and for the fan community discussion about this. If you're interested in that, the links are pretty easy to find there. There's still links on the Twitter if you go search for Articulate Coven, but they're also on my Tumblr as well. And, um, They're in the links for our show notes in our show description for every episode of the podcast as well. So that's the best way to find that and join us. Great discussions happening there all the time. Join us again next week too for um, toxic relationships will be our discussion. Thanks everybody for taking part of this. Thank you, especially to Brandon and to Erica and to Ashley and to Ayana for um, making this all possible and for being on the uh, discussion with us. See you all again next week as we continue the discussion club. Bye guys.
3: Thanks, everyone. This was so fun. Thanks for all the hearts and all the love.
0: Bye, guys. Thank you all so much. Bye,
3: everybody. Thank you.
0: Bye, all. Thanks for listening to The Articulate Coven. You can join our community on Facebook by following the links in the show notes or searching for Articulate Coven on Facebook. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at articulatecoven.com. And share us with your Anne Rice loving friends.